the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? White as snow, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the
this morning has a special this morning. When your waters are so troubled, you don't think you count at all. Waves may seem like mountains when your boat is oh so small. But somewhere past the clouds waits a new day to begin. Sometimes it takes a storm. To calm the storm within Sometimes it takes a storm To know you need a shelter When the anchor's in your life Disappear without a trace. Sometimes the wind will rage before you sail calm water. Sometimes it takes a storm. To find a hiding place They were drifting in the darkness The sea was all around They cried out to the Master Please save us or we'll drown. Jesus heard the cries and mercy still the wind. Sometimes it takes a storm to see the sun again. Sometimes it takes a storm. Disappear without a trace. Sometimes the wind will rage before you sail calm waters. Sometimes it takes a storm.
Lord, thank you for the storms. For I found my hiding place. Oh, thank you for the storms. Miss Marlene, and certainly, and I pray that this morning that Jesus is your hiding place whenever those storms of life hit in our lives today. Very, very powerful song. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 19, we'll just start off with this one verse as we begin looking at this subject this morning. It's a New Day sermon series. Uh, We've covered about it's a new day for your faith, a new day for your family, now a new day for your friendships. And the last one, which uh, if we hadn't had the, the storm and uh, the flooding that it would have finished today. But uh, next Sunday morning, Lord willing, it'll be, and it's a new day for your future, a new day for your future. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me for the reading of God's holy word. For just a second, just try to put out all the distractions of this world, things going on, it's easily things our minds racing Matthew 11:19 The son of man came eating and drinking and they said they say behold a man gluttonous and a wine bibber a friend of publicans and sinners but wisdom is justified of her children Heavenly Father just speak to us this morning May your Holy Spirit convict each of us of what we need to do to give our heart to you, our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring God's word this morning. Here while back, back in December, uh, one of my favorite teams and I've been able to stick with all my life through thick and thin, and it's been real thin the last uh, 15 years or so, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. They had two players, one by the name of Josh Brent and Jerry Brown, and uh, both of them got into a vehicle together, and they were both intoxicated. Nevertheless, uh, many of you may know the story, some may not, and... uh, Two people driving, two friends. Matter of fact, it came out in the stories that followed that they were uh, close friends. And I can imagine the conversation that went on or possibly could have happened. And uh, and then later on, of course, uh, another, there was another DWI. All teams have them. 
all all places have DUIs, DWIs. I've been with my dad, who's a retired state trooper, many times, giving people sobriety tests on the side of the road. To me, one of the most hilarious things in the world, the old standard field sobriety test. And uh, But nevertheless, they made a decision, and it ended up costing Jerry Brown his life. He died. And as uh, Josh Brent uh, killed his friend by driving intoxicated. You know, basically this, your friends can cause you to become, can your friends, the friends you and I choose, and by the way, it's, it is your choice. You, you make friends. You are a friend to somebody. It's, again, your choice to be a friend to somebody. You can be a friend to somebody who may not be friendly. You can be a friend to somebody who may not return Friendship or kindness back to you. Again, that's your choice. You can also choose, it's your choice, to follow friends. To be around friends that may lead you to make wrong choices. These friends may cause you to get further away from God. Or you may choose friends that will draw you closer to God. Again, the friends that we incur... You'll be known by your friends. Uh, and, and there was a, there's always instances every year uh, at school and at different people's jobs where the, you can choose to be associated with friends and they may make wrong choices and you can choose to back out. I, I think you're making a bad choice and you can back out of that not that you're going to stop being friendly to them or stop being their friend, but if they're leading you away from the Lord or leading you to make unwise or unhealthy or illogical, there's a bunch of phrases you can use there, uh, just choices that are leading you away from God. And so that's going to be up to you, and you're going to have to make those choices. Real quickly, let's talk about <clears throat> in looking at this subject, and we'll get back to this verse our Wednesday night crowd has had a little sneak peek at some of this in talking about the example of Jonathan and David. Just back up a little ways in your Bible to First uh, Samuel, the story of Jonathan and David, who were very close friends. They became acquainted after David came on the scene and killed Goliath. In First Samuel chapter 17, the famous battle, the most famous battle in the whole Bible, is, of course, the story of David and Goliath. Now, the king of Israel at that time was Saul. His son's name was Jonathan. And Jonathan and David became best friends. Matter of fact, uh, just looking quickly, 1 Samuel 18, verse 4. A close friend is willing to sacrifice. And just going over here, what is a, a close friend? Now, you count some people as friends or acquaintances. What is a close friend? And a close friend, is. these are some examples of that type of friend. In verse 4, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David, and his garments, even to his sword, and his bow, and his girdle. Basically, hey, man, I got, I got these uh, cool uh, Air Apostle uh, clothes on sale. Man, I've got some extras, man. You can borrow them. Man, i got these uh, new boots. Man, I've got four pair 
of size 11 boots. You can borrow those right there. I've got this. You can borrow. Hey, I've got an extra gun. You can have that gun. I've got this crossbow here. You can have that crossbow. You're my friend. Matter of fact, you don't have to beg a close friend for a favor. If you have a close friend, you ask them for a favor, they say, okay. You know, and that's a close friend. You don't, and that's what it's describing here between David and Jonathan. They, he, he said, hey, I've got extra stuff. I've got extra clothes. I've got extra uh, bow and arrow here. Here, you can borrow it. It's yours. Hey, man, i got this cool sword. Man, this is awesome. Hey, you need one? And uh, all David had was a slingshot at that time, so of course he'd love an extra sword. He proved pretty effective, by the way, with the slingshot, okay? Nine foot nine, 500 pounds, he came tumbling down. All right. Also, a close friend is also a loyal defense before others. Just flip one page over in my Bible. First Samuel chapter 19, verse 4. Jonathan, that's David's friend, spake good of David unto his father, unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David. I said, Dad, why are you mad at David? Because... He hadn't sinned against you. You see that in verse 4? Because his works have been to thee word very good. In other words, he's wor- he even went to work for you and he's been on time, punctual, showed up, and he did his job. Verse 5 says this, And he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel that thou saw, you saw it, and you did rejoice. Wherefore, or why, wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? So basically this, you follow the story, Saul was jealous. But this is the whole point, because think about it. David and Jonathan were really good friends. And think about it. Now, I've heard this all my life, that blood is thicker than water. Which means... uh <clears throat> Yeah, we're really good friends. But man, if it comes down to choosing my friend or my family, I'm going to choose my family. Well, Jonathan had morals and principles deeper than that. Basically, he stood up, and you know what he did? He told his dad, the king, that's like telling the president of the United States, "Uh, sorry, sir, you may be my dad, but you happen to be wrong on this. David, my friend, has done nothing wrong. Matter of fact, he went to work for you as the Secretary of Defense or whatever it might be called. And because, remember, the people came back in. He came back from war. And he said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And so Saul, excuse me, Jonathan, David were good friends. And even standing up to his dad, who was his blood kin, he said, Dad, you're wrong. I mean, he's done nothing to deserve this, and you're trying to kill him. So, folks, a true friend, a close friend, is a loyal defense before others. Also, a close friend will be there during the rough times. 1 Samuel chapter 20, just another page over in verse 41. He said, now this is whenever they were finding out that they were going to have to not, they were going to have to part And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another, which was like our handshake. That's the old 
Eastern way of kissing each other. Some have even accused this of Jonathan and David of having a homosexual relationship, which, of course, is on the forefront of our culture today, but goes against the very essence of God's word and the principles of God's word, which, by the way, would have then, if that were the case, they would have both been had a uh, would not even have a relationship with God in that case. In other words, it would have been pointed out by God. But this is just a, this is just a follow on each other and a hug. They say, "Now we'll never see you again." They wept with one another until David ex- exceeded even more. They said, "Go in peace," which means this: if you look at this passage here, that uh, you know, in our culture today, when uh, especially guys. Most red-blooded American males, when you show, uh, man, I don't want to ever get to see you again, they'll do a man hug, and they'll just, boop, that's it. All right, that's good enough. <laughs> that's it. That's all I want to do right there. And uh, But basically this is, here's the whole point to having a close friend, and that is that can you, is there somebody you can call and say, man, I just need to talk? But most guys won't even go there. We've been raised in a culture where that's just not even normally and uh, the case to have a friend like that. And there's also a close friend as a, a constant source of encouragement. And again, this if you're going to have a friend, the Bible says we need friends that will draw us closer to God. And looking at this passage, 1 Samuel 23, verse 15, just real quick, look at it. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds. In rem- so he's out. He's in hiding. David's on the run. He's out in the woods in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day. But God delivered him not into his hand. In other words, God's helping David. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Zith, and notice verse 16, and Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the, in the wood, and means up in the trees, and strengthened his hand in God. Which literally, if you look into that, it means he encouraged him in the Lord. He encouraged him in the Lord. You know, and there's people right now in our church and uh, I know that some that I try to give a little bit of extra encouragement to, but folks, I, I can't do it all alone. We need to encourage each other. If there's not somebody right now that you're encouraging, what you know, today it's so easy to send an encouraging message, just, whether it be a text or a phone call. It's so easy to do that. Just to send. Used to it, it you, we don't have the availability of, you know, I mean, instantly texting. You can text. Joel and I text each other back, back and forth. It, it's about a dime a piece, and so we don't do a whole lot of it. You know, to Belize, Central America, but he's all the time needing encouragement. I try to send him an encouraging note. Uh, same thing with our missionary Ravel and other missionaries I run across. People in here, can you? It says what did it say? He encouraged him in the Lord. To offer and source, I mean, there's enough mess going on in the world that, I mean, whenever you're working around somebody that's discouraging, when you're around other people that's discouraging, and, and folks, probably all of y'all who are married today, 
need an encouraging word, at least from your spouse, to turn to somebody, and I need an encouraging word. That may, and your spouse, a lot of times, is your best friend. Many times that is the case. Moving on, there's wisdom about friendship, a new day for your friendship. Someone said this as I head toward Proverbs, that loneliness is one of the most, is, is a very sad English word. Loneliness. Jesus, in our text, was called a friend of sinners. But guess what Jesus had? Guess what the Bible says Jesus had? Jesus had friends. He had 12 of them. And out of those 12, three were very, very close. And, of course, we know one of those 12 did betray Jesus. I count you as a friend. Matter of fact, he said, I'm praying for you. He prayed for Judas. Proverbs chapter 18, there's, some, there's a bunch of interesting verses. I just picked out two real quick. In Proverbs 18, verse 24, I have these marked in my Bible. You should mark them if you write in your Bible. Proverbs 18, 24, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Somebody said one time, nobody is my friend. I just nobody wants to be my friend. Wipe the frown off your face and quit belly aching, and they might. Okay, <laughs> nobody wants really to be a friend to somebody that's always negative, always belly aching, always complaining. And if you have a friend and you're still doing that, they're a good friend. <laughs> that's a great friend. If they can stay with you while you're always moaning and belly aching about yourself. Matter of fact, if this old book back in the 40s, uh, Dale Carnegie, I remember reading it when I was in junior high, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's a great read. Just a, It's a positive read. It's kind of like Zig Ziglar style stuff. And, but it's basically this. If you want friends, be interested in them and quit talking about yourself. Because most of the time, you, and you find people, and if you say, well, I would like to be their friend, then find out what's going on in their life and ask them how their day is going. Don't tell them about your day. It'll come out later because they'll return the favor and ask about your day later. But be interested in them. Guess what? Jesus is interested in you. So, and by the way, guess what that verse says right out of God's holy word? A man that desireth friends must what? That's what it says. Be interested in other people. And guess what? You, and if you're saved and you know Jesus as your Savior, you just may lead them to Him. In John 1, it says that Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. And that's a friend. You can even have a friend that's a relative. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-six says this. <clears throat> And I must have typoed that one <laughs> wrong because that does not say anything about the one I'm after. But basically this, the one that I meant to type in, says this. It says that a man says something about goats there. That has nothing to do with friends. But a true friend will show you where you're wrong. A true friend will show you where you're wrong. Then our text says, moving on quickly, 
Our text says that Jesus himself is a friend of sinners. You know what this means? We'll cover this real quickly. I'll just have you a few more minutes. So buckle your pew belts and hang on. And that is this. Jesus was accused of being a friend to people that were, they were alcoholics, they were prostitutes, they were drug uh, users, drug pushers. Think about that. Well, uh, aren't you the pastor of Promised Land? What are you doing hanging around them? Well, they might need Jesus. <laughs> they might need Jesus, but a lot of times we put, we stereotype ourselves. We think that, well, we're a Christian now. I've given my heart to Jesus Christ. And by the way, quickly, using trying to make sure everybody understands what I'm saying, if I ever say that somebody's lost, all that means is, is, that doesn't mean you're in the woods and don't know which way to go. It means this, that you've never prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your life. That's what lost means. Secondly, to be saved, what does that mean? I remember the first time I heard that. I thought somebody fell in a lake and somebody pulled them out. <laughs> that saved them. And, but saved means that they have prayed and asked Jesus Christ into their life, into their heart. They must, I realized that I was a sinner. We're all sinners. I'm still a sinner. I'm just a born-again, saved, forgiven sinner. I still mess up. We all do. We all make mistakes. By the way, back to that proverb scripture that I mistyped or whatever. Folks, when we mess up and we, if you have somebody you count as a friend, the worst thing you can do is go tell somebody else what they did wrong. If they're a friend, don't go tell somebody else what your friend did wrong. Go to your friend. Talk to them face to face. That's the example throughout the Scripture and throughout the Bible. Talk to them face to face and say, I would like to talk to you about something. I guarantee you God will bless it. When you do things according to God's Word, God blesses that. When you do things opposite of God's Word, well, God will be against you. He will. And His Holy Spirit will convict you. Jesus said we need to be a friend of sinners. So... If somebody's an alcoholic, if somebody's using drugs, if somebody is a homosexual, if somebody is this or that, if they're living a life, basically this. Somebody, you can say all these major big sins that the Bible declares. It's not, oh, by the way, it's not the opinion of Michael Reese. It doesn't matter what Michael Reese thinks. It's what does the Bible say. Just It's period. What does the Bible say? You need to be a friend to that individual. It doesn't mean, again, you have to, again, you say pick your friends and be wary of how your friends influence you? Yes, yes, that's true. The Bible does say that. The Bible does teach that. But can I share with them God's love? Can I share with them about God's forgiveness of sin? Can I share with them that I love them, that I care for them? One of my best friends in the world, who's now longer, no longer my friend because he died, he is an alcoholic. His name was Larry. I begged him and begged him and begged him. I, I, I confronted him, and by the way, it was always done face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, in a heart of love. And 
And I was there when they pulled his car out of the creek. Upside down, still hanging onto the steering wheel. He had never let go. I think he had just, God took him. He had a heart attack. He was intoxicated. At least that's what the blood alcohol level said. And I preached his funeral. I was there for his wife. Girl, very distraught, upset. And he's my friend. One of my best friends. Spent hours working with him, helping him, encouraging him. But he just had, he he struggled. Let's put it that way. He struggled. He struggled. Well, lastly, moving on quickly. A friendship with the world. The Bible says, there's two points right here, just real quick. In James chapter 4. The Bible's, and this is really where we struggle. And I think everybody in this room has struggled with this right here of some way, shape, form, or fashion. And that is to be a friend of the world. The Bible says in James 4, 4, You adulterers and adulteresses, which means unfaithful. That's all that means is spiritually speaking. Just unfaithful to God. In other words, you're toying with God. I mean, think about this. If, uh, if I told Karen, I said, Karen, I love you with all of my heart. And I, and I want to be your faithful spouse 364 days a year. Let's, let me save one day for the rest of the ladies. What do y'all think she would think? It might not be pretty. But that's also being called unfaithful. But sometimes we say, God, I showed up at church 80% of the time. <laughs> I prayed to you three or four days a week. That means talk to God. Yet, God just wants us to be faithful to Him. That doesn't mean that you have to be at church every time the doors are open. But what, you know what it means? Faithful to Him. If I'm able to go, if I'm not sick, if I'm not working, I, I need to be at church. I need to be at church. There's a lot of people, talk, you know, work different schedules than this and that. Now, for one, uh, I remember one year I stuck on straight graveyards seven days a week and pastoring the church. And where I worked was an hour away. Of course, it's a lot easier in my 20s to do that. <laughs> but uh, I, it can be done. It can be done. I preach Sunday morning, take a nap on Sunday afternoon, preach again Sunday night, go back to work at 11 o'clock, seven days a week. You know, there's no excuse. I mean, we can make excuses all day long. But all it is is about, who do I love? Who do, do I love Him? Do I even want to attempt to show Him I love Him? Is He my friend? Is He a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Our text here says that a friendship, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity against God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of this world is the enemy of God. Well, God, I, I just like to do this. I like to hang, you know, and I, I do show up at church on Sunday morning, and, man, I put a tithe in. Man, I just, I gave. And I'll see you next month. It's just toying with God. I mean, you see, let's see, I love this, I love life, I love people, I love... 
But you, I don't know, is right, you know, where's our priorities? Well, we can just stay there all day, and I, I know I'd, I'd lose you if I did. But folks, toying with the Lord is, is not right. It's not right. Finally, in closing, the greatest friend ever, John 15 and verse 13. The words of Jesus. He says here, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever. Old English whatsoever, if you have a King James Bible. But whatever, I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord does. But I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard of my Father, I've made known. I, in other words, I've, I've made known unto you. You know what that means? I've shared everything I know with you. I've told you everything I know. I've given you everything you need. And you know what? I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to give my life for you. And Jesus did. And he died a horrible death. He did rise again three days later. That showed his power over death and sin. Our friend is still alive today. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I've got a lot of friends who know this man named Jesus. And I've got a lot of friends who don't know Jesus. You know what I mean? And to live a life that is a friend of sinners. I asked a fellow the other day. He's really, he kind of went ultra conservative. And I said, uh, I said, can a lost alcoholic with Lots of piercings and lots of tattoos come to your church. He said, no. That's right, Brother Ian. Well, these are these things that kind of mark uh, a rebellious spirit or something like that. But folks, Jesus was a friend to sinners. Bring them to church. Bring them with you. Be a friend to sinners. Now, should we should obviously the Bible says what what Jesus tell the adulterous woman caught in adultery? What did he say? Go and sin no more. So Jesus actually, with his friend, stood against sin. He said, "Hey, hey, you don't need to do that anymore. They're trying to condemn you, but I want to say this: I'm not condemning you. But here's what you need: you need to stop doing that because that's wrong." Is that, hey folks, you, but that's where, that's where, that's where a lot of people don't have the gumption, the guts, the fortitude. We'll talk about sinners all day long, but can we talk to them in their face? Say, I love you. That's wrong. That's wrong. I gotta draw a line in the sand. That's wrong. You know, Joshua said this, Joshua 24, 15. Remember the verse previously? As for me and my house, we're gonna what? We're gonna serve the Lord. You know, if, if Allie Joe's friends come over and spend the night, uh, they're going to church with us Saturday night. They, they, they come into church with us. Well, we had company. No, <laughs> if the company's there, uh, y'all can, hey, you can come with us. We're going to church. 
We're going, you see what I mean? There's so many times we want to just blend. We want to blend in. We don't want to influence others positively. All right? As we prepare for a hymn invitation, whatever God may be laying upon your heart, bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity this morning. And I pray that we would be a friend to others, even a friend to sinners. May, may the world not come in to our life, but may we shine light into the world. And of course, that light is from you. That light is from your word. That light is you shining out of our hearts. May we represent you. May we not react like the world. May we not talk like the world. May we have the guts and the fortitude to be different. To show others that Jesus made a difference in my life. That He has saved my soul. He convicts me when I do wrong. I mess up. None of us are perfect. Maybe we be quick to forgive, quick to offer grace as you did. In Jesus' name, amen.